0: Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for each one who is here tonight, Lord, and we thank you for those who are on their way, and we, um, Lord, just thank you for this opportunity that we get to come into your house, Lord, and spend some time in your word and sing some of the grand old songs. I just pray that you would meet with us tonight, Lord, that we would hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated, and we are going to um, be in the book of Ruth once again tonight. We're going to kind of uh, complete... Um, the book of Ruth. If you were with us on um, May 6th, when I preached here Sunday morning during the union service, we pre- I covered the first chapter of the book of Ruth, and Lord willing, tonight we're going to cover the next three chapters. So we're going to see how that works out. So let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, and then we're going to read our text. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity. To open it, Lord, we thank you for each one who's here. I just pray, Lord, that you would guide my thoughts, guide my lips, Lord, as we consider your word. I pray that your word would be lifted lifted up, Lord, that we would hear from you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I love a good story. How many love a good story? A good, uh, some of us enjoy a good storybook. Some of us enjoy, uh, a good storyline. In, in a classic movie or something like that, but a good story where the good guy wins in the end, something that's a happy story, that's a joyful story. Let me tell you, if you love a good story, the book of Ruth has it. The book of Ruth has all the elements of a, just a great story. If, if you were here with us um, on May 6th when we covered uh, Ruth chapter 1, if you want to have something that, as a story that starts off terrible, you might think about it. That's the book of Ruth. It doesn't start off super nice. It starts off with Naomi and her family going to Moab. And her husband dies. And then her two boys get married. And then they die. And, Ruth, and Naomi comes back to Bethlehem. Back to uh, a place that was called, actually named Bethlehem, means house of bread. Um, and they left there because there was no bread. And so they leave the place of God's blessings. They go to the country of Moab where the people didn't worship God, where they didn't, um, um, there was not a place, it was not a place that God had told them to go. They were going there saying, well, I guess there's food there. I guess we can do it. Uh, this makes sense. So we're just going to go there. And God brought them from Moab back to Bethlehem. Because God wanted to use their lives. God brought them back. And so we're going to pick it up in chapter 2 of the book of Ruth. And we're going to read. We're not going to read all three chapters. We're just going to read some sections from it. I am trusting that most of us are familiar with enough with the story. Then we'll kind of cover it. And then we'll try to pull some application from it. So Ruth chapter 2, verse number 1. Let's begin reading. Or actually let's uh, pick up verse 22 of chapter 1. I'm sorry. Verse Twenty two of Chapter One. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter in law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. So we meet Boaz for the first time. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me go now to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto a servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitess damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, this is what she told me, I I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field. Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. We'll skip down to verse number 18. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. And she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought. And said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, which hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near a kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter in law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go not, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the flesh threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee and put thy raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. Then we'll skip down to chapter number 4, verse number 1. Then Boaz went up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside and sit down. And he began to call the people and, um, I'm sorry, he began to call the people and call the kinsmen and the elders of the uh, the people, so he could talk about accepting Ruth as um, to t- do the job of a kinsman redeemer. We'll get into that in just a second. In, um, verse number 9 of chapter 4 And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chileon's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess. The wife of Malon have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead unto his inheritance that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses today. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that has come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel and do thou worthily in Ephrathath and be famous in Bethlehem, and, like the, and let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman. That his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom, became a nurse unto unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Pharaohs. Pharaohs begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Adinadab, and Abinadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. And so we kind of Move pretty quickly through the story there, but we're just gonna we're going to, what we're gonna do now is we're just kind of summarize the story to make sure um, we got all the parts of it and go through the story and then we're gonna go through and try to make some application and understand um, what God was doing during this time because we have to remember this is not just a story these are real people who lived real lives with real events in their lives but not only is this just a history. The the Bible records that all this was written for our admonition that we are to learn, that there's lessons that we are to learn, that there's application that we're supposed to make to our lives from these stories. But God, Ruth, was a Moabitess. Now, in the Old Testament, in the law, there was um, Moses, God had given Moses the law, and explained to him that the Moabites weren't supposed to come into the children of Israel, that they were not supposed to come in unto the 10th generation. Now, the Moabites were not nice people. They didn't worship the God. They had done many uh, things to the land of Israel, to the people of Israel that were not nice. Remember Balaam? Remember all of that that went on with that? So there was a lot of animosity between these people. And yet, that's where Elimelech... Took his family. So they went to Moab because that's where there was food. And then God had to move them from Moab back to Bethlehem. So, Ruth and Naomi show up in Bethlehem. Now, they've been gone probably, the best we can figure out, somewhere around 20 years. 15, 20 years. They've been gone. Now, um, Elimelech, as a, a member of The Jewish people as a member of Israel, he would have had fields. He would have had land that was uh, attributed to his name that was to be passed on to his sons. But there was a famine in the land. He left it. Naomi and Ruth come back. There's no man to provide for them. There's no children that is going to pass on their family name. And um, that was a big deal. In the, in the nation of Israel. Because the promises of God were given to the people of Israel. They were given to the nation. And the promises were to be passed down to the children. And to the children. It was to go down in the family lines. And so the idea of being without um, a, a seed to pass down. Without a family. That their family was going to stop and die out. Was horrible. It was a disgrace in the people of Israel. Not only that. Not only was it a disgrace. But they showed up in Bethlehem, which is called the house of bread. They didn't have their lands anymore. Either someone else was using them or they had just lain fallow. They, nobody had planted them. Chances are someone else had come in and began planting it, but it wasn't their food anymore. And so they show up right at the time when harvest is coming. It was barley harvest, the beginning of barley harvest. And there would be barley and then wheat and then the, the other crops would come in. So God brought them back to Bethlehem at just the right time. But they show up and there's, they're, they're without hope. But God has moved them from Moab back to Bethlehem. Because God has a purpose for their life. God is doing something. God is going to accomplish something. And God begins to orchestrate and move chance events, quote unquote, chance events around as the story unfolds. So they show up in Bethlehem. Maybe their house was there. Maybe it was in ruins. We don't know. We can use our imagination. So they show up. People are like, is this Naomi? Man, she's changed. And Naomi's bitter. She's saying, God has brought me back empty. And they're in the house. And Naomi's sitting there with a frown on her face. And Ruth looks around. There's no food. Next day comes. There's, there's still no food in the cupboards. And so Ruth, she takes it upon herself. She says, I am going to go glean in the fields. Glean. Okay, what does that mean? Glean. It was something that God had set up in the Old Testament law to provide for the widows, to provide for those people who didn't have land through either their bad decisions, their crops hadn't come in, or the orphans, those who were destitute. God provided a way that they could eat. What the landowners were supposed to do, those whose crops did come in, those who had a ability to provide for themselves, they would have a square field. Okay? We've all seen the big square fields. But when they reaped it, when they went in and gathered their grain, they would only do a circle. They would only reap a circle, and all the corners of the field were to be for the poor in the land, to be for the widows and the orphans, as well as what they dropped. So as the, they would go in, they'd have a sickle, a uh, curved big knife, and they'd grab it and they'd cut it off. And cut it off. And you imagine if you're picking up grain by hand, you're going to drop a lot. But the law God had set up, they couldn't go back and pick it up, if they dropped it. They had to gather it and take it back. And then the poor and the needy would come in and they would pick it up. And that's what they would use to eat. It was the original welfare system. They had to work for it. They, if they were going to eat, they had to go work for it. That's set up in the Bible. If a man doesn't work, he shall not eat. Because God... God designed man to work and if, it, there's nothing better than coming back after working a hard day and enjoying the rest that comes because God God designed us to work there's nothing more boring than not working but anyways side note but a truth so that's how God had set up that there that uh, people who were widows who didn't have ability to provide for themselves could go into someone else's land reap the corner the corners of the land, to pick up the crops and enjoy it. So, but it was a step down. It was admitting that you were a widow, that you were on the lowest rung of society. You couldn't provide for yourself. But Ruth said, Ruth told Naomi, food isn't growing in the cupboards. If we're going to eat, someone's going to have to do something. And so Ruth, she took it upon herself. She went in and she began to work in the fields hard it was in the heat of the sun it was in the dry season and number two she was a moabitess remember there's a lot of animosity between these people and the time of the judges if you've read the book of judges that was a very dark time in israel's history to be a Moabitish woman walking through the fields that could be dangerous there was people who would not appreciate her coming and taking my food, you foreigner. Get out of here. All kinds of stuff could have happened. But Ruth took it upon herself to do that. And lo and behold, she bumps into a guy. She just so happens, the Bible word is, hap, her, her just utter chance. No, what the, the Bible is, the um, author who wrote the Bible as God was explaining to him is saying, no. It's not just a chance. God is working here. And so um, she shows up on the field of Boaz, who was a near kinsman. Okay? Now, God had also set up, this is important to understand before we um, get into the teaching part of it, is that God had set up in the Old Testament law that if someone's family, if someone's husband died and there was no seed, that the nearest relative was to take that... Take that person and to marry them and to continue the seed, to continue the family line. The family name was to continue that way that the land could continue to be passed down in that family's name. Now, Naomi and Ruth, they come back, they're all alone. And yet, as Ruth is going out and doing the work that she needs to do to take care of Naomi. She just so happens to show up right in the field of Boaz, who is a near kinsman, and Boaz was a mighty man of wealth. The Bible says, and by the and God is moving through the story. Now, um, Ruth begins to work in the fields. It says at the beginning of barley harvest, and it says until the end of wheat. That was at least six weeks, seven, up to maybe even three months. That Ruth was in the fields every day working as a common servant. Working as a co- just, but she was doing her best to provide for Naomi. She was doing her best. And by the end of the story, where there was no hope, there is hope. Where there was no joy, where there was bitterness. Suddenly there's joy and there's blessings of God. And people are beginning to praise God for what He has done in these people's lives. They came, Ruth the Moabitess, came from Moab and was moved into the family line of the Messiah. And that's what it says. It moved into the line of David. Now, Naomi and Ruth had no idea who David was going to be. They had no idea who their grandson was going to be. But God did. God was working something much bigger than they were. You see, God had a greater purpose and a plan for the lives of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. God had a plan. God had something that He was working out that involved their lives, but was also something much bigger than their lives. God was trying to bring about His plans because we know that David was a, the ancestor, he would be the king after God's own heart that would set up the kingdom in Israel. Solomon, David's son, would build a temple in Jerusalem and eventually through David's light would come the Messiah. God was moving, God was working, God had a plan and a purpose for their life that was even bigger than they could see. That's why God had to move Naomi and Ruth from Moab back to Bethlehem. Because God had a purpose for their life. God had something He was trying to accomplish in their life. And so He had to bring them from a place of where they were doing their own thing to a place of usefulness, to a place back to the place of blessing. And God was at work in their life. Now, we know the end of the story. We can read the book of Ruth. We can read the New Testament. We can read all of that and see what God was doing. But Ruth and Boaz didn't know. They couldn't know all that God had in store. They couldn't know who their grandson would be and all the promises that would come through their family. But these people were able to see God accomplish His plans In their life, they were able to see God do mighty works. They were able to see God accomplish things far beyond they could have ever imagined in their lives. Could we agree on that? That as they um, came to Bethlehem, Ruth was a nobody. Boaz was a somebody. But apparently, he wasn't married. There's no evidence of that. You know who Boaz's mother was? Rahab. The harlot from Jericho. That's who Boaz's mother was. So apparently somehow he wasn't married. There was no seed in his family either. And so we're like looking at it. There's people here. There's this story here. And there's this story here. And yet God had a greater purpose for both of their lives. God was trying to accomplish something and and through their lives to do something even greater in the future. So how was that able to happen? How were these people able to see God do exceeding wonderful works in their lives? Well, it wasn't that people that Ruth was saying, "God, I just want I, Lord, I really want to be part of the family of Messiah." I don't think Ruth was praying that. I don't think Boaz was saying, I want my grandson to be the mighty king of Israel who kills a giant Goliath. Okay? Boaz would have had no idea to pray for that. But God wanted to do that in his life. God wanted to use him to accomplish something greater in the future. But how did how were they able to do that? How were they able to um, live their lives in such a way that God could use them to accomplish those things? Well, it was each person simply being faithful with where God had placed them. Ruth was a widow in the house of her mother-in-law. And she saw, you know what? I have a responsibility to take care of my mother-in-law. She's older than I am. She can't go out and glean in the fields. There's nobody standing in line to give us what we need. And so I'm here. My responsibility is to take care of my mother-in-law. And so she begins to take initiative the next day, within the week. Definitely if they were going to eat from her arriving back in Bethlehem, she's out in the field working like a common servant. What does that have to do with accomplishing God's plans? It wasn't a glorious job. It was hard work. There was not a lot of results. And it was a big step down the social ladder. But Ruth saw the need and determined to do what she could. Ruth said, this is where I am. This is where God has placed me. This is my responsibility. And I'm going to take care of what God has put in front of me. Boaz was a mighty man of wealth. The Bible says a mighty in verse chapter 1 verse number 2 he was a mighty man of wealth but that doesn't necessarily mean just money though he had the money it also has this idea he was a mighty man of character he was not only wealthy in finances he was wealthy in who he was he was a good man okay Boaz He hadn't left when the famine had come. He had stayed in the land. He knew what he was about. He was about serving God. He loved his people. He loved God. We can see that. Here he is. He's walking through the fields. He shows up. There's people who would be working for him. People who couldn't work their own land or didn't have their own land anymore. And so they would work for a man who he would say, all right, I know how to do it. I can take more land. You work for me. I will take care of your families. That was Boaz. And he comes walking through the fields. And he says, the Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. And the people answered, they like, here comes that rotten guy, Boaz. No, they're like, this is what they said. The Lord bless thee. They're excited to see Boaz. Boaz is someone who um, is well-respected. Even though Rahab was his mom, he was people knew that he was about serving the Lord, and he used his wealth to benefit others. Here comes Ruth, the Moabitus, into his fields, and we didn't read all of it let's go back and um, we read some of it how said. Um, verse number 9 of chapter 2, "...let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. Go after them, saying, wherever my people are reaping in the fields, you go after them. Have not I charged the young men that they um, shall not touch thee?" Nobody's going to push you out of the fields. No one's going to say, get out of here. You're under my protection. Later in the chapter, he would um, bring her up to where they were eating and he would provide for her lunch. You know what Boaz was doing? Boaz knew who Ruth was. But Ruth didn't know who Boaz was. He wasn't there saying, I'm your next kinsman. I'm going to take care of it. He was just simply being a good man. Using what God had given him to be a help to others around him. He was simply being obedient to the law of God where the law of God said, Be kind to those who are without. Be kind to the strangers that was in the law of God. Boaz was obeying God, was using the place that God had given him just to be kind, helpful, obedient, um, and taking care of the other people. He loved God and sought to help those who loved God. He knew that um, Ruth, verse number 12 of chapter 2, he said, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings... Thou art come to trust. He realized that Ruth had come to know God. And he wanted to do everything that he could to help Ruth know God better. And so that's where Boaz, that's where Boaz was. God had placed them there. He wasn't like, I'm going to get that fuel. I'm going to get that fuel. I'm going to become a big man. No. God had placed him there. He had it. And he was going to use it to honor God. He was simply where God had placed him. And he faithfully served God exactly where he was. Naomi. Now, Naomi is a little bit of a character, we might say. She goes into Moab with her husband. And she comes back so changed, so bitter at God, that she tells the people of Bethlehem, her old friends, her old family, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasantness. Anymore, call me Mara, which means bitterness. It says, for God, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. She was upset at God. She, her, everything she had was gone, and yet, as she was back in Bethlehem. She was back in the place that God wanted her to be. As she saw Ruth doing what she needed to be doing. As she saw Boaz obeying God and doing what he needed to be doing. Naomi's heart began to get right with God. And Naomi, in this story, would use her knowledge of the law of God and of the customs of Israel to guide Ruth. She would use what she knew, what the place where she was, what God had given her, her understanding of the Bible, her understanding of the law of God, her understanding of the customs of Israel. She would use that in chapter 3 to guide Ruth, to show her, listen Ruth, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do to approach Boaz in an honorable, in a right way, and ask him, to do the duty of a kinsman to redeem us, to take us under his wing. And she began to instruct her in a way that was right, in a way that was in obedience to God's law, and said, listen, encourage Boaz this way. Say, listen, we need you to do this. Boaz, would he would act honorably. He said, listen, I want to do this. I want to take care of you, but I'm not even the nearest kinsman. What, what does that mean? There's someone else who this is their responsibility, who this should be their blessing. I'm going to let them have the opportunity. And the person said, no, 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 no. I, I'm not going to let Ruth the Moabite come into my family. So Boaz said, okay, have it your way. I've got it. And so Boaz used what God had given him to act. Obediently to God and take on that responsibility of taking care of Ruth and Naomi. Each person took risks. I know I'm just summarizing the story, but we're doing three chapters. If we went through each chapter verse by verse, we would be here for the... All night. Okay? So we're not going to do that. But I hope you can, I hope you are familiar enough with the story that you can follow where we're going. That each person was where God placed them. God placed them there. And each person was simply faithful. They did what was in front of them. There was Ruth. She needed to take care of her mother-in-law. So she did what was the God-ordained way. The widows would go out and glean. She said, I'm not above that. I'm not too prideful to do that. I'm just going to go do what God has allowed me to do. Boaz said, I'm not too prideful to allow a Moabitess into my field to reap. In fact, I can see that she's trying to serve God. I'm going to help her serve God. I'm going to make it easier for her to be able to do what is right. I'm going to try to help her love God more. Naomi, as she begins to get her heart right with God, she begins to see what God can do. And she says, listen, well, if you're going to continue to follow God, if you're going to continue to obey God, this is how you should follow God. This is what God has already set up, so this would be the next step to take. I'm not making this up. This is from God's law. This is how it should work. So, Ruth, I know you're not as familiar with it. Let me help you understand how to do it a little better. This is the next step you should take. Each person took risks risks. Each person had to step out by faith and simply do what they knew to be right. Simply do what God's Word had shown them to be right. And what was the end result? As each person simply faithfully did what they knew God's Word had them told them to do, was the unseen hand of God moving each part in perfect harmony with His greater Purposes that were going to come to pass. He was moving each part. They couldn't see the hand of God reaching down and going and moving things around. The author says, Ruth's half, her chance, a stroke of luck. It just so happened that she ended up in the field of Boaz. Was that a mistake? Not by the longest shot in the world. As Ruth stepped out by faith and obeyed what what her responsibility was, where God had placed her, God was moving. As Boaz was taking care of Ruth, as he was providing for people, as he was using what God had given him to help other people, God was moving his heart to do the job of a kinsman redeemer. Naomi... God was moving this bitter old woman's heart and was moving her and, and giving her the wisdom and the guidance to be a help to Ruth and move Ruth into the place where God was working. As Boaz acted with integrity and generosity, God used them to provide. Naomi came to realize the need of Ruth and to see her needs and helped her with that. As I was thinking about this, the illustration that came to my mind Was an orchestra. Was a symphony. I don't, I I enjoy classical music. I enjoy listening to it. And I enjoy, I mean, they have a string quartet or they have, um, solo guitars or whatever. But something I enjoy listening to is the big, the big one. The big symphony with all the instruments and all that's going on. But you know something that's interesting? Is the individual instruments, they don't necessarily have. Every, the whole thing. They don't necessarily have the whole orchestration right in front of them. What a lot of times they have is their part. They might have the parts around them so they can hear it, but they have their part on the stand in front of them. And as they play their part following the conductor, if all you heard was just the violins, it would sound pretty empty, wouldn't it? If, all they, if they just played their part, it wouldn't sound extremely full. It would be like, okay, that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Or if they decided, I don't want to play my part, you would be like, whoa, something's missing here. But, as each group of instruments, as each instrumentalist plays the part that is in front of them, following the conductor... You have something beautiful. You have something that is massive. If you've ever heard, if you've gotten to go to a symphony, and especially live, listening to it is one thing, but being there in the concert hall is something and just it, it doesn't quite transfer from the concert hall to your headphones. I mean, they do a pretty good job these days, but it's it's not quite when you're there and you can see the instruments playing and hear it filling the concert hall. You're like, whoa, that's amazing. They put a lot of practice in. This is enjoyable to listen to. But each instrument is playing their part, following the conductor. And as they play their part and as they follow the conductor, the conductor is is guiding the whole thing together to make something absolutely beautiful. You see, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz saw God accomplish His greater purpose and plans for their lives by each one simply being faithful in the place that God put them. As each one of them obeyed the purposes of God in their life. God was accomplished something greater and they also had the greatest fulfillment in their lives that they had ever known. They had the greatest um, joy. God was doing something even beyond their lives. God was doing something even beyond their generation into the next generations and the next generations where there'd be King David and eventually the Messiah. And we can say, man, that's great. But what about Ruth and Boaz? That's way in the future. Not only was God doing that, using them for the future, but God was using them in the greatest fulfillment of their lives here and now. Because Ruth was a Moabitess who got to come back and be part of Israel. She got to come back and meet the God of Israel and serve God. Eventually, she got to um, be part of a family in Israel and enjoy the blessings Of God, Naomi, who had lost everything, came home without anything. Insecure. There was no security. There was no um, hope for her future. She got to nurse. She got to be the nurse or the, the nanny for her grandson that she had never had in Moab. God had given her a greater fulfillment as she followed God, as she served God where she was. When she came back to Bethlehem, as she served God where she was, God was able to do something greater in her life now and in the future. God was doing something in Boaz's life. He was apparently unmarried. He got to have a family. God, he got to... and. And beyond, we can look at it from a distance and say, look what God used their life in the future, uh, down the generations. But I can promise you, they were excited about what God was doing with them right then. God, as they each obeyed in their place, where God had placed them, they just said, okay, this is the next step of obedience. If I'm going to follow God, this is what I need to do. If I'm going to obey God, this is what I need to do. And God worked his plan out. God was doing something that only he could come up with. And God, through it all, received glory. At the end of the story where it says, where they said, um, I'm sorry, I, got a, I lost the verse. It said, blessed be the Lord, when they, when they were talking about how they, um, they had given her a son. Verse number 14, I'm sorry, Ruth chapter 4. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. When it's talking about blessed be the Lord, it's saying give praise to God. The word blessed there also has this idea of kneeling, of giving praise and worship to God for what He has done. God worked in their lives. They saw the blessings of God in their lives and God received glory from their lives. People looked at what God had done in their lives and they said, only God could have done this. Praise God for what He has done. Praise God for what He has done in these people's lives. You see, God has placed each one of us where He has placed us. We may not say, well, I'm here, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just here. or right. Wherever you happen to be, God has placed you in the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. You're here tonight. God has placed you here. And as you and I are faithful where God has placed us, God is working in orchestra, we might say. God is working something much bigger than our individual part. God is working something much bigger than our individual person. But He needs each one of us to be faithful exactly where He has placed us. And God is going to accomplish something and continue to accomplish things that are beyond our imagination, that are amazing, to where that He only can get the glory for it. So the question is, are you being faithful in the place that God has placed you Could we say, as a spiritual stone, in the theme of this year, God has placed you in this church. You are to be built up. You are to be rooted and ground up in Him. So the question is, are you being faithful there? Are you, if we use the illustration, playing the music that God has put in front of you? Are you obeying God with the responsibilities He has given you? Whether in your workplace, whether in your home, you know, it's easy to get discouraged and let some little things begin to quote unquote little things begin to slip and say, you know what, it's it's really not that important, but it's those little things that make the difference. You know, Ruth could have said, You know what, I just man, I'm gleaning. I gleaning I really can't do that. I think I'm gonna try something else. But that was what God had set up. For the widows to provide for them. That was, if she was going to provide God's way for her mother-in-law, that was the way that God had set up. It is simple, you say, that's boring, that's that's hard work, that's whatever. As Ruth obeyed, God worked in her life and accomplished something that she never could have imagined. Because God has a greater purpose, God has a greater plan than we can see. And God has placed you where you are for a purpose. God has given you the job that you have for a purpose. Be a witness. Be an example. Do what you can to obey God where you are. And as we each are faithful and obedient, where God has placed each one of us, God will use our lives for His glory. You might say, Brother Andrew... I've already, I've already messed it up. There's already some decisions I've made that um, I just haven't been obeying God the way I should be. I haven't been doing that. Well, we can go to the story. Where was Naomi at the beginning of the story? She was in Moab. And God brought her back to Bethlehem. And she began to be faithful where she was. And she got to have a place in the story. because she, she allowed, she allowed God to bring her back. You know what? If you say, if you say, I, I'm there, God, I don't even know if you can use me. If you're still alive, God wants to use you, and you can. What What What's the first step? Obey today. Get the Bible reading schedule. Read your Bible. Be in the services. Be involved in the services. Sing praises to God when we're having congregational singing. You want God to work in your life? Listen to the preaching. Apply the preaching in your life. Or we could say it this way. Allow God to conduct your life. Allow God to be a conductor. And simply play the music that God has placed in front of you. Simply obey right where you are and God may give you a bigger part and then give you a bigger part. Or God may leave you right where you are, but you and I's responsibility, my responsibility and your responsibility is to be faithful where God has placed us and allow God to work in the way that only He can. You and I can see God accomplish His greater purpose and plans for our life when each one of us are simply faithful in the place that God has put us. You want Open Door Bible Baptist Church to fulfill the Great Commission to do what God has, the purpose God has for this church? How about each member of the church be faithful? Be right where we're supposed to be. Allow, use what God has given us to serve God. And leave the results up to God. And allow God to do what only He can do. Ruth went out to glean, and her hap was to be in the field of Boaz. That's God. That's all you can say. That's God. God did that. And God received the glory for that as each person was faithful where they were. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for tonight and we thank you for your word, Lord. I just pray that it would be an encouragement to us, Lord, just to follow you each step of the way, Lord, and just to obey you and allow you to work things out, Lord, and trust you with the end results, Lord, just to simply obey you each step of the way. In Jesus' name I pray. We'll just take a moment as the piano begins to play. If you need to come forward and pray or just pray there in your seats, we'll just take a moment.